Good evening, Zoomland. Boom. Just one touch, my heart went boom. I hope you're recording, uh, girl. It's, uh, yeah, it's recording. Um, it's got two sets of recordings on it to make sure. <laughs> Have you used Zoom before, Stan? No, no, I haven't. I was, uh, I was once asked when I was looking after Peter Wade's shop whether I had a frozen Zoom or not. Uh, and, uh, my love life wasn't great at the time, so I thought it was a pretty decent question. <laughs> Welcome to the fourth episode of the Housecast podcast. Uh, only a week on from our last episode, which very much counts as prolific for us. Uh, we're entering uncharted territory this evening. We're recording without the assistance of our technical guru, Adam. Literally anything could happen tonight. Uh, so you've just got us, uh, two Joes and Jez. Plus we've got two cracking guests lined up, technology permitting two real lower house heavyweights, both metaphorically and physically, join us this evening. Once again, we'd just like to extend our thanks to great friend of the podcast, Mr. Johnny Russell, for his kind sponsorship. Our caterers, Milton Pies, for all your pie and catering requirements. You know where to find him, social media. Um, before we crack on with tonight's main topics, I just want to say thank you to everybody who contacted us following the last episode. Uh, it's great to hear from people. Uh, a few corrections to tales that we've told and a few omissions. One omission in particular that we're going to come on to later from the Wishton 2002 game. Uh, we might come on to that with uh, our first guest. And not on the back of the podcast particularly, but the club and in particular Matthew Stansfield have been contacted this week by a face from the past. Reg Wardle has been in touch. Uh, Reg was junior coach at the club when I joined way back in 1992. Lovely fella. I moved away down to Cornwall in about 1998, um, but thankfully he's kept in uh, touch with the club's fortunes. He's now the grand old age of 85, but he can still rattle off players from uh, his time at the club, and he knows all about our success and the pros that we've had. Uh, so it's great to hear from Reg. Um, Jez, come over to you on this point, because I think you obviously remember yeah. Je- uh, Reg from a little bit earlier than I did. Quite apt that stands uh, stands with us. Um, Reg was a coach going back uh, forty five years, maybe fifty years. Stan, uh, well, ninety two to ninety eight, I think, are the dates that Joe's mentioned. I think Reg followed Bill Holt. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, had had left when your dad asked me to come on board. Yeah. which was 1999-2000. So, yeah, I yeah. think Joel's yeah. are probably are very accurate, yeah. All right, I remember him um, being involved, like you said, Bill Holt, ex-professional, and I, I thought I remember Reg and my dad being involved when me and Nicky were, were you know, young 10, 11, 12-year-olds. <clears throat> yeah, he, he said to Stanley that he remembers your matches and Payne and people like that, so he, he must have been around prior to, prior to me being involved. Yeah, um, but it is quite ironic at the moment. It's um, it's Bombers, the anniversary of Bombers' 
death today, seven years ago. Um, and then Joe mentioned today that Reg has been in touch. So I think it is, uh, I think it might be a message from above that uh, that my dad's watching us and Reg has come in to, uh, to tell us that he is. So, uh, no, great news that. Great uh, that he's keeping in touch, Joe. And he's still coaching at Red Ruth Cricket Club uh, at the grand old age of 85. So good on Reg. Fantastic. Yes, can I, if I can just interject, um, I've actually played at Red Ruth Cricket Club uh, with the police back on the old Cornwall tours. Uh, I think Brian Higgin and Duncan Hall were with us on that tour. And nice that Reg has contacted us. And it's very fitting that it's uh, Bomber's anniversary. I've actually been... <laughs> been restarting the clock, Bombers clock, um, these last two days because we, as you know, uh, a power cable was uh, damaged by one of the neighbours, so obviously the clock stopped and yeah. uh, again, talk about messages from above. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trying to get the clock back to the right time and you can only do it by uh, by stopping the, uh, taking the fuse out as it were or flicking the fuse. Yeah waiting for time to catch up. Uh, so I've been on with that, but very fitting. And my abiding memory of, of, of those days, from Bill Holt through to Reg and, and Bomber, hundreds of children on the ground yeah. uh, and few coaches. So the job they did was absolutely magnificent. Yeah. No, but thanks for that, uh, Matt Stanley and, uh, and Reg. If you get a chance to listen to this, then get in touch. And if you want a little spot, you're more than welcome to come on. Sorry, Joe, can I just say, uh, reference Milltown Pie's sponsorship of this. It's marvellous Johnny Russell does this. And I've actually written a slogan that, that I thought he might want to use for the promotion of his pies, and it goes like this. Eat Milltown Pies, you won't get better. Now, I don't, know whether he would, I don't know whether he would want to use that or not, but it's there for him, Johnny. It's there for you, Johnny. Yeah. All right, there you go. Even though when you were on your podcast, you did criticise me. <laughs> But not that you're bitter. Anyway, we didn't give you a proper introduction. Um, you've heard his voice there. He's slurping a giant glass of red wine that we can see, but obviously you won't be able to see. It's Mr. Stanley Heaton. Um, the primary or the first reason for getting Stan on is because he did uh, attract a little bit of stick in the last episode of the podcast for um, Nicky's injury slash run out. But the thing that we omitted from uh, the 2002 review was a game at Rishton, which we tied. Um, we back fist and got 250. But the first ball of the second innings, Stan got into an argument before the first ball. Oh, this is, this is how the story's been told to me, by the way. I don't actually remember it, but, but two or three people have commented on it. There was an argument about where Stan was fielding. Jez, can you remember? Um, yeah, I definitely can remember. Because you'd been bowling. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was opening the bowling. And the last podcast, I, I, I purposely didn't want to, to go into it because I was particularly grumpy in those days, certainly 2002 and, you know, big scores like oppositions were getting. Uh, so I, don't, I didn't want to mention it. Tony Woodward could tell me, Joe's just gone for a week, by the way. Um, Tony Woodward does tell the story quite well uh, of, of actually what happened on that game. But, but we'll, we'll leave it at that, Joe. I think, uh, if Stan wants to bring it up, then he can. But if not, I think, I think you know, there's enough for him to combat and to, to try and defend himself. Right, Stan, over to you. The floor is yours. Well, where, where to start, really? And it's actually dark rum uh, I'm drinking, Joe. Um, 
か As to why I was stood in the slips when I'd made third man my position. I once actually won the fielding prize from third man, uh, but I don't like to boast about it. Um, and there was a huge argument, I can't remember who with, uh, that I should go back down to third man and somebody else should come into third slip. Pointed out to,、uh, to that person, might have been bloody or not, pointed out to that person that sort of every two or three years, Umpires would say to me, That's the greatest catch I've ever seen.、Uh, and whilst ground fielding wasn't my forte,、um, and again, self praise is no praise, I did take some storming catches. So I didn't feel the need to abdicate position at third slip.、Uh, had it been a ground fielding issue, I would have happily done it because I was a team player. Unfortunately, for the from the first ball of the game, I think it was Russell Wally, and I made a speech about we need to get him out. Uh, in the change room at half time, Russell Wally slashed it to ball, it flew off the outside edge, and I dropped the catch.、Uh, having said that, I did die full length, <laughs> six, called six foot one, and got my right hand to it, held on to it, but when my elbow hit the floor, it popped out. I, I would describe it as a valiant attempt, others were less, were less、uh, kind. Um, but it's, it, it, it's not, it's a familiar pattern.、Uh, Nicky Hope,、uh, I'm a great believer in why spoil a good story with the truth. But Nicky Hope came on the last podcast and he's not a stranger to the truth, he's an alien to the truth. And, and at some stage, whilst this, <laughs> whilst this isn't all about me, whilst this isn't all about me, at some stage, I would like the opportunity to defend myself. You've got it. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. This is it. Okay, thank you for that. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> uh, first of all, so just to remind, hang on, hang on, just before you go, just to remind everyone, just in case that they, they haven't heard Nikki's version of events, it well, goes, I'll, I'll paraphrase. I'll cover it. I'll cover it. I'll, go on I'll then. cover go the on. accusations. Nikki's version of events was that,、uh, and if you remember, it was the story of why Law House were two for two after two balls.、Um, Nicky, hit, Nicky insisted on taking first knock, which I normally did.、Um, Nicky hit a two off the first ball. Second ball, he called for a quick single. Nicky's version is that he got halfway and snapped his hamstring,、uh, and I was run out. And the reason why he'd taken first knock was because I was a ponderous bastard that couldn't hit the ball off the square in the previous five games. Had been a, a ponderous what? Ponderous batsman. And oh, the, batsman, right? Okay. And that the previous five games had been uh, 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 me blocking the、uh, proverbial out of it. First and foremost, Nicky only got two yards out of his crease before he called no. And I, I, being quicker than Nicky, I was halfway. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair when enough. He called, when he called no, no I obviously stopped. Nicky threw himself into his crease because he couldn't run and was prone on the floor, face down, looked round to see where I was, could obviously still see that I was facing him. So I obviously thought, he's coming to my end. And at that point, he wrapped both his arms around the base of the wickets <laughs> as though he was trying to prevent me from pulling him out of his crease. 
course, a decent guy would have sacrificed himself with two for none. And to add insult, sorry, two for two, two wickets in the same ball, incredible. To add insult to injury, I had to piggyback him off because nobody came out of the changing rooms to help because they were all doing various things such as padding up, tidying the kit away, etc., etc. Couldn't believe we'd lost two wickets in one ball. He also said that the previous five games, I blocked the proverbial eight. He only batted with me in one of those games. He got a duck and I got 19. The three previous games were rained off, so we didn't bowl a ball or bat a ball. And the two games before that, one was the 19, and the other I got 50-odd against Burnley. So it's absolute, complete fiction, as was, as was the Harper matter. Roger Harper <laughs> used to get off the plane from... Uh, I think he was a Barbadian. Used to get off the flame, plane from Barbados. Playing against Stanington this year. That's me two wickets. Why am I going to get me other 98? Because it was 100 wickets a year, man. Playing against them twice that year. 40 not 8 out of 67 all out. Carried me bat. Somehow that defeat was my fault. <laughs> and, uh, and I got a 70 against him at breakup. So I have 110 for one against Roger Harper, one of Test Cricket's uh, good players. But it's all my fault. I'll just tell a tale about how... Uh, Jez described how good Harper was. I'll just tell a tale how good he was. Uh, it does include a slight boast. Uh, I hit him... In the pro for Nelson, I hit him for six into the speedway. He was six foot odd. He glowered at me, obviously. Next ball bounced halfway down the wicket, outside off stick. I thought, real do. Made room and tried to crash it through extra cover uh, in a sort of uh, square cut shot. I smacked it out of the middle of the bat, looked up to watch it, hopefully, race to the boundary, only to see Roger Harper waiting, and he caught it two inches off the ground. It somehow bowled the ball and got to extra cover before I'd played my shot. It was utterly unbelievable. <laughs> um, if he was feeling on the boundary edge, it was a risky one, because he was so agile, and he threw the ball like an arrow. And as we know... I think in Alan Donald's first game at Bakeup, I think Harper took 140 odd off him. He, he was he was some player was was Harper, but that season was my last season. It's my first season back after two years out with um, a serious knee injury that required an operation. I was riddled with arthritis, 43 years old, but still got 300 and odd runs at an average of 21, depending which average you look at. Very similar to Nicky, actually. He only played eight games, two not-outs. Of course, one of the not-outs was where he guaranteed that I was out. So it, 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 I feel, and I thank you for the opportunity, I feel that I've defended myself. But one thing I want to stress, chaps, is this. Anybody listening to this podcast will think that we were a team of buffoons. We were. We played very, very hard on the pitch. We played to win. We battled. Off the pitch, with a fantastic time, by and large. So if you listen out there, kids, do as we say, not as we did. And parents, we weren't the gang of dafties that this makes us out to be, but we hope it's entertaining. Lancashire League.
used to be called the greatest amateur cricket league in the world. I'll tell you what, there's been some characters. But I'm afraid there ain't so many coming up behind them. Last of the barley wine, I call them. Well said, Stanley. Yeah, no, I don't know. What about that? What about that time when you didn't uh, meet Jack Rudolph in the, um, at Aslinden until he was nine-tenths of the way to the wicket? How would you describe that incident? That's very, very, very true, that. But I had a lot of mind uh, at the time. Um, incidentally, that day, I think we, we were 230 for one. I'd 60, Rudolph got a ton, Blaise was 50, and we got beat, <laughs> we got beat with about seven overs to go. What I'm in mind, and that's the reason why I actually packed in cricket, not because of my uh, horrendous arthritis, 43 years of age, growing uh, belly. Didn't pack in for that. Packed in because there were things that needed doing off the field, running the juniors in particular. I remember against Burnley at home, which is where Jack Rudolph hit that enormous six jaw that you referred to the other day, over the top of the score box. I was at the other end. He ran me out twice that year as well. I remember... In that particular game, Jack went out to the wicket by himself because I was having a discussion with a neighbour that was having a complaint about us. But professional bowlers were running up to bowl at me and I was thinking I've assorted Monday's Unreal Enzate. So that was the reason why I packed in. A lot of players packed in that year, surprisingly. But we did have some players in reserve and, and, and I felt that if I did pack in, that I wasn't deserting the team because we did have players that, that, that could come in uh, and that could do, do a good job. Uh, I stand to be corrected, but we might have got Kaz Ali and Cameron Farouk the following year. Yeah, Finch came. Yeah, what a signing, he, a signing he's been. No, you're right, Stan. You, you know, there was so much going on there around that period. And I think, like you said, 2003, there were, you know, other players came in. Yeah. Uh, 2004, other players came in. We obviously had our success there. And, you know, whilst crikey, I, I really echo what you're saying about you know, we weren't all ragtailed and buffoonery galore. Uh, but I do think, you know, Pete, you know, we between myself, Joe Martin and Dooch, we obviously, we do lots of homework and research around different seasons. And the 2002 compared to the 2014 are just, it's chalk and cheese. The odd new player. No, no injuries, you know, there wasn't as much rain around 2004. So, whilst, um, yeah, we will always promote the law house, um, we've got to laugh at those sort of times, Stan. We've got to. Oh, absolutely. Remember- Jesse, they were marvellous times. I don't know about you, and we've talked about this in the past, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't regret anything that went on. Uh, in, in those days, I, I, I have things that I wish I'd have done differently. Um, you were a very professional uh, in your. You were very professional in your in your attitude. Uh, many in the team weren't. Uh, I often think that I could have supported you more as well. Uh, but uh, uh, and I'm not making excuses. Uh, it was difficult to be a hundred percent policeman at the time and a hundred percent cricketer. And and there were players that played that. You look now and, and great lads, but it does raise eyebrows that the fact that they, they played in that team. And one of the issues, of course, was very much when Brian Higgins played, if Brian was out, the side didn't get a good score. Yeah. And this was yeah. just as Blaise was burgeoning. Yeah. But if you look at the averages that year and you look at the averages 
in previous years, there weren't many batsmen in those league averages in the top sort of 50 or 60. Not many. We used to keep a book, Jez, didn't we, of the amusing things that, were, that, that went on, which you wouldn't dream of doing now because everything is, is much more professional. The only, the only, it's not a regret, but the only thing that I would like to have had the opportunity to would be to play under today's circumstances with Phil Astin, your dad, other, other groundsmen got the Peter yeah. Tight, the track right. Yeah. So we, we didn't have to worry about a half volley taking your ear off. We've got the fabulous training facilities uh, with the six-lane six outdoor net. We've got a clubhouse that we can be proud of that, that brings in revenue. And it's great that Matt's on tonight because he was behind that. I, I would class that as our biggest single, most important decision ever. And Matt delivered it. So we don't have to worry about finance unduly. Whereas in the past, poor old Dave Wren, David Wren, should I say, um, must have worried about, I bet I'm surprised he slept. Yeah. yeah. Now, all yeah. of those, the, the situation that we have now is so far removed and I would love to be able to have played under today's circumstances. And I think I, think I would have been more bought into it and been more professional. And I often, on the other side of that coin, wish that today's kids could see what it was like, because I think the old story about Brian Clough taking his first team squad down the coal mine to show them what reality was, I, I think I'd like to, I'd like to for, for today's players to be able to see what, what Lancashire League Cricket at Warhouse Cricket Club was like. And I'm not saying that these today's guys don't appreciate it, but I think it would resonate with them. Yeah, no, I agree, Stan. No, I do agree. And if you can get that mix, then uh, then that's you know that that would be fantastic. Uh, is there anything else around that? Because I'm no doubt, Stan, we'll have you back on, and you know we want you to comment on on other stories, and we want to keep it as light as possible. Yeah, I've been I've been too serious, Jez, um, and I'd love to come back on because uh, again, self praise is no praise, but I, I do remember a lot of things that went on. Yeah, uh, yeah, many good. of them. Many of them light-hearted, yeah. Uh, but uh, perhaps that's a serious section over with. I'd really like you to come on and discuss your captaincy whenever you were captain, because you open the bowl. Oh, true. Um, oh, true. It is true. <laughs> <laughs> you got a scorecard, George. To prove it. Um, there is a scorecard, uh, and I'll just need to find it. Um, so we'll see. But okay. Stan Heaton, captaincy is. That's what we want. Well, yeah. I, I can talk about that now, Joe, but I don't want this to be about me. Hey, Maggie, do you deliver? No, sorry, love. We only do meat and potatoes, steak and kidney, chicken and mushroom, and today's special is ratatouille. Next, please. Why on earth have you got a salmon under your arm? Well, I wondered if you sell fish cakes. Yes, of course we sell fish cakes. Oh, good, rappers one up, it's his birthday tomorrow. Hey, Nick, donkeys have arrived. Why do you want me to give them for lunch? Half an hour! Can I just tell you the Roger Harper, my version of the Roger Harper and uh, Ian Sheridan story? If it's <laughs> quick. Covered in the last podcast, I was fielding at Square Leg when Chess came on to ball at Roger Harper. The first ball 
didn't bounce and went four feet over Roger Harper's head. <laughs> the second ball bounced twice and Harper watched it dribble past his wicket. And the third ball was a leg side beamer. <laughs> Harper watched go past him. He turned to me, I was at square leg, he turned to me and he said, is this guy for real? And he then went on to smash him. I think he went for 27 off three overs and the first three balls were unplayable. Um, but yeah, great character. Got a medal, of course, in the famous Slaughterhouse Second Eleven uh, Cup winning team of yeah. the mid-90s, 95 perhaps. Stanny and uh, Matt Stanny and Gav Shields. Two wonderful lads. I'm sure they won't be offended by anything I'm about to say because uh, I'm telling it from a, a humour perspective. But when I was asked to look after the cricket, I decided that we did, didn't, we did need to be more professional. We did need to perhaps move from the old Pals Act to how a proper cricket club should be run. And some tough decisions had to be made. I'm not saying I made every decision correctly, but I made them for the right reasons. And it was all... It was all to drag us to drag us up. Um, we're in a sufficient period of the uh, of the season to assess whether people were in form or not. The second eleven was struggling. We were top heavy with batsmen, with few bowlers. So, in conjunction with Frank, who was the captain, Ross Brown was brought in. He was only a kid, and I, I rather think the other. Uh, but he was a bowler who batted or vice versa, but he was, we certainly would get some bowling out of him. And as I say, the seconds did need bowlers. And he was a spin bowler. And I th I'm almost certain the other person was Paul Smith. I don't think it was Schweb Ahmed, and I don't think it was Andy Woodcock, who were the other two third 11 bowlers that, that were, were perhaps up for, up for selection. So the both selected and left out were Matt Stanley and Gav Shields. So overnight, I became the man that shot Bambi. Uh, I was cold-shouldered <laughs> cold cold by the mates of Gavin and Matt Stanley, probably yourself, Dooch, likes of Charlie, Johnny Russell. Could, could come on to him later as well. Um, <laughs> not tonight, Stan, not tonight. He sponsors the podcast, Stan. Stan had been cold-shouldered, and it got to such a pitch, and we're only talking Tuesday night here, um, Matt Stanley and Gav Shields demanded a clear the air meeting. So, okay, so we sat in the back room. The club room was two rooms in those days. And they both came in to uh, to me, if you'll pardon the phrase. Uh, I was on my own, but I did have a, an ace up my sleeve. And they explained to me how good they were, how the people that we were bringing in wouldn't be as good as them. I explained about balance of the team, explained about the fact that we needed bowlers and that these were the right people. And I always think, if you want to make a case about yourself, don't denigrate others. So that got put to them as well. They were never going to play again. Uh, they were never going to play in the third 11. I was wrong. It wasn't fair. And at the end of the meeting, I simply said, guys, you've come in together. There's two of you. I've brought a friend. It's called the scorebook. <laughs> Matt Stanley, your batting average, and I think we were in May, he's seven, uh, well into May, maybe June, he's seven. 
Gav, your batting average is nine. Now, normally, if you've got a poor batting average and you're a batsman, you can save yourself by being good fielders. Unfortunately, that avenue isn't open to you two. <laughs> so, you're not being reinstated, because we don't do it like that. Once the team's picked, it's picked. You're in the thirds. We're not playing for the thirds. Guess where they played that weekend? The third 11. <laughs> and the postscript to this is, Gav Shields went on to score a first team 50 in a Worsley Cup semi-final and Matt Stansfield played first 11 cricket, albeit not many times. And the, the post postscript is, despite saving their careers, neither of them have ever thanked me. And Matt Stanley will no doubt come on, and I'm not looking for thanks. If you're at Lawrence Cricket Club for thanks, you're at the wrong club. <coughs> Matt Stanley will come on and completely obliterate that story with the same type of lies that Nicky Hope's told. Thanks, <laughs> Dan. Well, we'll, uh, we'll maybe give them both an opportunity to come and uh, write to reply, I think we can call it. A right to reply. Get him on. Hello, listeners. Adam here. I'm just editing the podcast and it's become quite apparent that this is going to need to be a two-parter. Stan seemed to waffle a bit. So we'll be releasing the second half um, early on next week. Three podcasts in two and a half weeks. Who'd have thought it? Send us some questions in on Twitter at HousecastPod. Or we do have a new website as well where you can uh, send us a question, which is housecast.lawhousecc.com. You can find that on the main Lawhouse website as well. You're going to have to wait to see what our next guest, Matt Hope, has to say. Until next time. Thank <laughs> you.